You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. The sky is apparently falling on the UK economy. On August the 30th, The Guardian printed an interview with Alastair Darling, Chancellor of the Exchequer. It reported him as saying that, I quote, the economic times we are facing are arguably the worst they've been in 60 years, and I think it's going to be more profound and long-lasting than people thought. End of quote. So how bad might it all turn out? The Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development suggested just this week that the UK, alone among the group of seven leading high-income countries, was likely to experience negative growth in the third and final quarters of this year. If so, this would end a run of 64 consecutive quarters of positive growth. For Gordon Brown, the return of boom and bust has to be an embarrassment. Yet did anybody else believe the business cycle could be eliminated? Market economies are never as stable as that. Accurate forecasting is impossible at all times, and particularly at turning points, but we can at least consider the possibilities. When we do, we will see that there are reasons to expect a significant downturn. Yet a recession as deep as those of the early 1980s or 1990s still seems hugely implausible. The optimistic view is presented by Morgan Stanley's David Miles. He makes three points. First, there has been no sharp jump in interest rates, unlike in the run-up to the two previous recessions. Second, the link between the housing market and consumer spending is overstated. And third, the declines in reported consumer and producer sentiment do not tell one much about likely behaviour. So while the OECD's central forecast is for a decline of 0.3% in third quarter gross domestic product and then 0.4% in the fourth, Morgan Stanley forecasts a decline of 0.2% this quarter and no change at all in the fourth. Remember that in May 1980, the annual increase in the retail price index, less mortgage interest, hit 20.8%. And then in October 1990, it hit 9.5%. In July of this year, however, it was only 5.3%, while the rise in the targeted consumer price index was only 4.4%. Thus, the interest rate shock is bound to be far smaller this time. In the years leading up to the recession of the early 1980s, official intervention rates rose from a low of 6% to a high of 17%. In the run-up to the early 1990s, rates rose from a low of 7.5% to a high of 15%. But this time, interest rates have already fallen. At 5%, they are also only half a percentage point higher than in their 2005 trough. As Morgan Stanley notes, these low interest rates and the modest jumps from their troughs will create a far smaller shock for consumers than in the previous recessions. In the two years from mid-1988 to mid-1990, the average interest rate on the stock of mortgages increased by about 5.5 percentage points. This time the jump is likely to be only a percentage point. Furthermore, suggests Morgan Stanley, even another 10% decline in house prices 
their central case, would reduce consumption by only 0.7% spread over several quarters. Of course, house prices may fall far further. Yet it is important to stress that a decline in house prices does not itself reduce national wealth. Only destruction of the housing stock can do that. If houses go on providing the same services as before, the country as a whole is no worse off, even if those in the housing business surely are. Moreover, the fall in sterling is not the problem, but the solution. Indeed, the possibility of such an adjustment is what justified staying out of the European Currency Union. The Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee must allow for the impact of this depreciation in setting monetary policy. Indeed, it is the best reason for delaying what would otherwise have been a reasonable cut in interest rates. Yet the fall in sterling is itself neither excessive nor unhelpful. In August, the real effective rate, estimated by J.P. Morgan, was only 1% below its average of the past four decades. Since the UK's oil production is falling fast, a depreciation is just what one would expect. It offers the promise of economic rebalancing in what is likely to be an era of weak consumption. It is possible to tell true horror stories. The financial crisis looks as serious as any the UK has seen since the Second World War. The fall in house prices may yet prove very severe. If household savings were to rise swiftly and substantially, a deep recession would ensue, generating a large expansion in the fiscal deficit. This could well result in a further loss of confidence in sterling liabilities. That, in turn, could generate a bigger run on the pound and a jump in long-term interest rates. This combination might even force the MPC to raise rates. Collapses in financial institutions could then reduce fragile confidence still further. This, then, is the nightmare. What such possibilities demonstrate is how vital it is to retain confidence in the UK. A weak government is a risk. Any policies it introduces must avoid undermining confidence in the UK's policy regime and, above all, its commitment to monetary stability and fiscal sustainability. The Prime Minister knows that as must the Chancellor. They must be seen to keep their heads, even if nobody else does. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.